We are in a series in, whoop, we're going to show it again. All right, that's good. Um, we're in a series in the book of Exodus. We're going to be in it for a while, at least three months, and we're going to be into it in, in the first part of the fall, and we're just going chapter by chapter, and I believe, just, just as you saw in the video, is that the book of Exodus, we know it's in the Old Testament, we understand, we've been looking at this over the last couple of weeks of God delivering his people out of Egyptian bondage, 400 years there in Egypt, and God comes to Moses, we looked at this last week, through a burning bush and says, listen, I'm going to use you, I want to use you, I'm calling you uh, to lead my people out of Egyptian bondage. I've heard their cries and I want to bring them to myself. God leads them out to bring him to himself. There are so many parallels in the book of Exodus that are so applicable to our lives that God leads us out of sin to bring us to himself, to bring us to freedom, to take us out of bondage so that we can live in the joy and the fellowship that God desires to have for us. In fact, I was just talking with somebody yesterday. It was just interesting. There was a funeral at our church yesterday. And I, we were just, I was talking with another believer and some, a follower of Jesus. And I said, isn't it amazing when you understand what Jesus Christ had done for you? It's not a religious thing. It's not a, a knowledge thing. It's not getting more education. There's something about the Spirit of God that transforms your heart. And all of a sudden, you begin to look at this world differently. Amen. There's something about God through his Holy Spirit that changes us. That's where we get the word born again or the word believer are you a believer i was once blind but now i see and so when you begin to fellowship with somebody or you're out in the grocery store you're at work and you meet another christian all of a sudden it's like hey you get it too don't you 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 know what i'm talking about there's some something transformational that happens and the only thing that you can put your finger on is that it's the spirit of god that changes us and he takes us out of this pattern that we used to live in and he brings us to himself. And that doesn't mean that our lives are perfect or we don't struggle or, we, or we're not tempted. But we know now that we have a savior that we can go to, one that is our rock, that's our foundation, that, that is our anchor, that no matter what we go through in this world, we know that Jesus Christ is going to be with us. And now we have this hope that's beyond this world that has been established for us through Jesus Christ, that he conquered sin and death, and he's now preparing a place for us. That hope gives me this ambition and the strength to make it through this world. And so what's going to happen here, as we see in this part of Exodus, is God is going to speak through Moses, speak through Aaron. He's going to speak through them to say, listen, I want you to speak to my children that I'm going to lead them out. But how many of you know that just because God speaks to us doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy? And I say this to you all the time. If someone tells you that once you become a Christian, you start to live on easy street, just punch them in the throat because it's not true. It just, just because you become a Christian and become a follower of God doesn't mean that all our problems all of a sudden disappear. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? And so what we're going to see today is, in fact, when God calls them, their troubles increase. 
Their, their troubles multiply. And then they begin thinking, did we hear from God? Is God speaking to us? How many of you have ever felt that way? You're like, man, I thought I heard from God. And now all of a sudden I have more problems. Or I surrendered my life to Jesus. And now it seems like I have more trials. Have you ever felt that way? Welcome to Christianity 101. Okay, this is what happens. So what we're going to see today is how do we deal with life's disappointments? How do we get through those things? How do we deal when life instead gets easier, it gets harder? And so we want to look at it. And I believe that in this part of Exodus, we're going to see how God can help us to get through that, specifically how God called out Israel. And so what we have is we have Moses He's hiding in the desert for 40 years because he killed an Egyptian slave taskmaster. So he's hiding out, and this is where God speaks to him. And we talked about this last week. This is where God speaks to him through the burning bush. And then he goes, God tells him to go back to Egypt. Moses goes back. Aaron, his brother, meets him at Mount Sinai. And from there, they would go back and speak to the Israelites about God's plan. And so this is where I want to pick up the story. In Exodus chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Genesis first book of the Bible. The next book is Exodus chapter 4. You can look up at the screens. I'm going to look at verses 29 through 31, and we'll dive into here uh, first and uh, kind of pick up the story on where we're at. So Exodus 4, let's look at 29 through 31. And so here Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses He also performed signs before his people, and they believed. So they saw the power of God. They believed the word of Moses. And when they all heard, uh, and when they, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So, so here we see the beginning of, of the Israelites starting to trust the word of Moses that God gave him and now they begin to worship that there's a change in their lives there's a change in their hearts to begin to trust God and so they bring the news to the people they believe they're like okay we believe we're ready they they worshiped they were trusting uh the word of God through Moses now after that you would think easy peasy right um everything was going to be easy from that moment forward that's the way they're thinking we, and 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 Here's our problem. We can tend to feel the same way. Um, You feel like you're heard from God and then things end up getting worse. I'm following you, God, but things are not getting better. Uh, You begin to doubt yourselves and, and begin to doubt whether I heard from God. Am I doing the right things? And so Moses and Aaron, after talking with the elders of Israel to go to Pharaoh to tell them to let God's people go, So what do you think happens there? So they go to the most powerful man at this point on the face of the earth. And they're going to go to him. They're going to say, hey, why don't you let our people go? And at first, they they didn't say just let us completely go. We just want to go in the wilderness and worship for a couple days. So what do you think Pharaoh says? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Just go out, worship your God, and enjoy yourselves. Right? Is that what happened? Mm -mm. That's not what happened at all. So Moses and Aaron, after talking to the elders of Israel, they go to Pharaoh, they tell him to let God's people go. And so Pharaoh says, okay, no problem, you can go. I don't think so. That's not what happened. Let's see what happens in Exodus chapter 5, because we see this encounter with <clears throat> Pharaoh and what begins to happen. And so they hear from God, 
God says, I'm going to deliver you from the hands of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, life got worse. So here's what happens. Starting in verse 1, chapter 5, we're going to read the first nine verses there. It says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord says. That the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? I don't know this guy. Why should I obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Uh Uh-oh, we got a power struggle. God, who's speaking to Moses to go to Pharaoh, say, let my people go. And now Pharaoh, who thinks he is actually in control of Israel, says no. And then he said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let's take a three-day journey into the, the desert and offer sacrifice to the Lord our God that he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. So, so, they're obeying God, but the king of Egypt is not. Verse 4, but the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, are, are you taking your people away from their labor? Go back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. So the same day, Pharaoh gave his orders to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks, which made it easier. Let them go and gather their own straw. So now we're going to make it harder for them. We're not going to make it easy for them. We're going to make them do everything they need to do to make these bricks. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Pharaoh doesn't trust them. He thinks they're lazy and they want to get out of the work. So verse 9 says, make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to their lives. So here's, here's what's going on. They have this hope in God that we're listening to the Lord and then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled out from underneath them. We're like, we're listening to the Lord. We're supposed to leave. And now our work has become harder. And so they're thinking to themselves, what just happened? We thought we were hearing from the Lord. And what just happened? And this can happen to us so easily. I had this plan when I came to Christ that everything would work out the way I wanted it to. Why is this happening to me? And we can even look at the world and say, man, even my People that aren't following Christ seem to have a better uh, have a better life than I do because that's what I see on Facebook. They have a better life, and on Instagram they just have a better life. I I can see it. See, see, the question is, how do we work through our sh- sh- through these shattered dreams? They had this dream that they were going to be let go. They're going to be able to worship God, and all of a sudden, this dream is shattered. See, we live in a society that says if you work hard enough, you can accomplish anything. And it's, and it's difficult to live in the world we live in. It, it, it's, it's, it's easy to present this pseudo life that we present this life to other people to say, think that, well, everything is fine. This is the polished me. But I'm not going to show them who I really am. I'm not, I don't want to show them that I'm actually hurting. And we see other 
people's pseudo lives and we compare ourselves to them. We feel defeated. Why is my life not working out with others? And we can compare ourselves. Why aren't my children doing as well as their children? And so what happens is this disappointment can literally suck the life out of us. And just, just remember a time in your life when you had this hope and you thought something was going to work out and it didn't. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, I had these plans for my life and I thought I was going to do this and I thought I was going to do that. Now looking back over my life, I really didn't accomplish the things that I thought I was going to accomplish and we can easily become disappointed with our lives. And see, this is the reason why I want us to study the book of Exodus because it's a story that hits us right where we're living, right where we're living today. And I want you to understand something today, that God does have a plan. And and how many of you, you may not understand this plan right away. You may not understand what God is doing right away, but God does have a plan. And this is what God wanted the children of Israel to understand. That just because I have a plan for you doesn't mean it's going to be easy and everything's going to work out perfectly the way you think it's going to work out. But I'm going to use these things to teach you something so much deeper about your life than if I didn't allow these roadblocks to happen. God does have a plan and it may not be exactly the way you thought. And so looking back over your life, how many of you saw things perfectly? None of us. And I, you know, I love, you know, I, I, I kind of laugh and I'm 51 now. So I, I'm get, I think I'm getting a little wiser. I'm getting more gray hair. So I think I'm getting a little wiser, um, about life and living through life and raising children. You, you think you get a little more uh, wisdom and I kind of laugh because, you know, we, we think we, we <laughs> you just have these things in your life. Like, Here's my five-year plan. Here's my, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with those things, but I kind of chuckle when I hear people say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to, and the older you get, the more you just look back. Okay. Keep talking. Mm-hmm. See how that works out for you, right? And, and not to be cynical, because I think it's good to have plans and it's good to have a vision. But how many know life doesn't turn out exactly the way you think it's going to turn out? And I think if we don't prepare ourselves for that, that's where we become disappointed. It's unrealistic, right? And this is where God says, listen, I'm going to kind of break you of that because you've got to trust me. And I remember I, we, I had this professor in... In college, I love this man. He's probably the most godly man that I knew. Just out of all the professors I had, I just his name was his name. We called him Brother Elliot, Professor Elliot, and we had him for a lot of our, our a lot of my freshman classes. I, I had Brother Elliot for and some theology classes, and uh, we'd always open the class. He'd always open up with prayer, and and then he would just always sing a song, and um, he sang the same song every time we met in class. And um, great is our God. I always remember. I, I still remember that song. Um, and and he would love. And he he would get tears every time he sang that song. You just you could just tell he just loved Jesus. And sometimes we'd be praying. All of a sudden, like revival would break out in the class. We just keep praying and praying and praying. And the whole class, I'm like, yes, we didn't get to the lecture today. We just prayed the whole time. It was so good. And I always remember Brother Out would always say this. He'd always say this. Your assignment is due at this time. We'll have a test at this time. If the Lord tarries. What he meant by that, the Lord tarries, if Jesus doesn't come back. He always 
had his mind on God's will. God could come back at any time. Always have your mind on that. He, he wasn't so set in his life and his schedule and his five-year plan, his 10-year plan. Do you realize that the Lord could come back at any moment? And he was prepared. He was ready to meet the Lord at any time. And he's since gone to be with, with, with Jesus, with Christ. But I love that about him. That's the one thing that I remember about Brother Elliot is he always prayed, if God wills, if God tarries. He always left his life open ended to the will of God. What you have for me, God, may not be what I have for me today. And I think we have to be careful about scheduling our lives so tight that we leave out God. And I think what we end up doing is we end up looking back and we have our, we have our schedule, we have our plan. And then we say, okay, God, bless it. You bless my plans. God says, I'm not going to bless your plans. I want to bless my plans for you. Don't make me second person here. Don't, don't make up your life and say, okay, God, this is what I want. Now I want you to bless it. God says, I want to bless my plans for your life. And so you have to be open to what I have for you. And you're going to have to trust me through this. And this is what we learn through this encounter that God has with Israel at the beginning, before he leads them up, before the plagues, this is what God has for him. So, so it, it was heartbreaking for the Israelites. And Pharaoh made their lives more miserable. And so the question is, how do we overcome the disappointments in our lives and not lose our focus on God? And knowing that God still has a plan for our life. So let me give you a couple things. Um, got your notes there. No fill in the blanks. I'm sorry if you fill in the blank people. I made it easy for you this week. So uh, next week I'll give you the fill in the blanks. Okay. And I'm going to get an email. Pastor, I like the fill in the blanks. It keeps me attentive to your sermons. I like the fill in the blanks. So I will do it next week for you. So first of all, let's look at the first point here. Let's go to the first one. I want you to understand that the God that calls you will sustain you through life's disappointments. The God who calls you, the God who called Israel, the God who called Moses, the God who called Aaron will sustain you through life's disappointment. So here, here God calls Moses. He tells Moses, just listen to me and I will deliver you. Moses didn't know all the details. He didn't know how long. And so what Moses would have to do is just trust the Lord in this. How many know if someone knocks on your door late at night, I'm asking who it is. How many just open your door? Someone knocks on your door. Oh, come on in. Right. It's three o'clock. Come on in. Right. You're going to ask who it is. If that person gives me a name and I don't know that name, I'm not opening the door. Right. I like to do this with my kids. They knock on the door. If they don't have the key, I'm like, who is it? It's Lily. I go, Lily who? You know, or Colby or Wesley. It's Colby. Colby who? I don't know. You know, you like to tease me. I just like to irritate my kids, you know, just because just they need to be irritated. Um, has, has anyone ever recommended something to you and, and they say, just go mention my name, right? And, and, and when you meet that person, they say, oh, I know so-and-so. And, it, it, you know, it, it gives you some networking ability there. See, Moses and Aaron, what they do is they go to Pharaoh and they say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. I don't think they did it that way. They could have, but I don't think they did it that way. He says, it's the Lord's name that we come 
And that name will deliver us. That they wanted to know. It's not us. Pharaoh, it's the Lord. And guess what? You may not know him now, but you're going to get to know him real soon. And it's not going to be fun. So Pharaoh says, well, I don't know him. Why should I obey him? And so God's response to Pharaoh's request will be with the 10 plagues. He'll get to know him real fast. And so the Israelites needed to know also who God is. They needed to know that God's calling would not be thwarted by Pharaoh's demands. They needed to know that God would be with them through their disappointment. So here's the second thing. In your disappointment, don't lose your heart for worship. See, God wanted them to keep their eyes focused on him and to keep worshiping him. See, what was not seen by the Israelites at this time was God was going to show who he was to Pharaoh. And there would be this showdown between God and Pharaoh. And so God is saying to Pharaoh, listen, Israel is mine. Pharaoh is saying Israel is mine. They need to go to work. So Pharaoh said they should work more. And God said, I want them to rest and worship me by going out into the wilderness to have this festival and to worship me. What's interesting about this little confrontation, it's not a little confrontation, it's a big confrontation between Pharaoh and God himself, is that one's demanding them to work for me. Pharaoh's saying, they need to work for me, I'm going to work them harder. And God's saying, they need to go and worship me. Now, what's interesting in this passage that we see in Exodus are the words worship and work. And what's interesting about this, they are basically the same word in this context. It's very similar to our English word for service. So when we serve, we're actually working. We can also talk about going to a church service, which we are actually worshiping. So the words slave or work or servants all have the same root meaning as worship. And so what's going on here is what Pharaoh is actually saying is I want them to work for me or actually I want them to worship me. And God says, that's not going to happen. Pharaoh is the taskmaster. Pharaoh is the one that's going to drive them. They're going to obey me, and I'm going to rule them with an iron fist. And God says what? I'm going to take them out of that bondage, and I want them to worship me. I'm going to gather them like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I'm going to gather her to myself, and I'm going to take her out of your bondage. See, here's here's the parallel. We think sin is going to deliver something good to us at the beginning, right? If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. It's fun. Why, why do we sin? Because we think it's fun. We think it's, it's going to be enjoyable. But how many know it ends up enslaving us? The very thing we think it's going to deliver actually delivers the opposite to us because it actually leads us further and further and further into bondage. It's a noose. It's like, a, it's like a boa constrictor. It slowly constricts its prey until it can't breathe anymore. That's what sin does. 
And God says, no, I want to take them out and I want them to work for me. I want them to serve me. I want them to obey me. I want them to worship me that they might know me and find freedom and joy from serving me. So God wants them to worship him. Pharaoh wants them to work for him. In a sense, actually worship him. So in your time of disappointment, it's easy to take your thoughts away from God. And many times what we end up doing is we end up um, in the place of God, we place a functional savior there because we, we want to run to the thing that's going to bring something easy to us, something that we think is going to fulfill that desire. So when we're going through a time of disappointment, a time of trial. The proclivity of our, our sinful hearts are to run to that thing that's going to be quick relief. I want to get out of this thing. I, I, you know, I, 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 I want this thing to feel better. And so we run to these functional saviors to bring quick relief to our hearts. And Jerry Bridges does a great job explaining what a functional savior is. He says this. Sometimes we look to other things to satisfy and fulfill us or actually to save us. These functional saviors can be any object or dependence we embrace that isn't God. They become the source of our identity, security, significance, because we hold an idolatrous affection to them in our hearts. They preoccupy our minds and consume our time and resources. They make us feel good and somehow even make us feel righteous. Whether we realize it or not, they control us and we worship them. See, God doesn't want us to, to look for these cheap substitutes. He wants us to trust him through our trials. And usually when we're down and usually when we're disappointed, when we feel like the rug has been pulled out of our life, usually the first thing we end up doing is walking away from the fellowship of church or the fellowship of other people. And this is when we walk away from church and we walk away from others who actually can encourage us. And then we begin to fill our mind with the world and worldly wisdom. And God says, be careful. Because if I have your heart and you worship me, this will protect you from, from the ungodly wisdom that you will find in the world that will leave you astray. This will protect you from a functional savior that will lead you away. That will only be a cheap substitute. It will fulfill something in the meanwhile for you, but only end up enslaving you in the long run. So, so continue worshiping me. And see, the thing that God wanted most in Israel was their hearts. The thing that God wants most in you is your heart. Because if God has your heart, he'll have every part of your life. When God has your heart, you will be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. You'll be sensitive in prayer. You'll, you'll be humble before the Lord to listen to him. But when our hearts become hardened to hear God's truth, that's when we're easily led astray. And trials and disappointments, if we are not careful, can harden our hearts towards God and cause us to become very cynical very jaded towards God. And God says, worship keeps you tender before me. And so don't let your hearts become jaded by these things, these trials that can so easily come into your life. And here's the third thing I want you to see about dealing with disappointment. Understand that God is still working even when we don't see it. And this is the hard thing. God, what are you doing? I don't see it. Tell me, right? And I want to look at verse 22 here in chapter 5 because 
this, this is all of us at one time or another. This is Moses sharing his true disappointment, and he's very honest with God. And so in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 5 of, of Exodus, Moses returns to the Lord and says, Why, Lord? <laughs> why have you brought trouble on, on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak your name, to speak your name, right? I thought your name was just going to whoop. The doors are going to be open. The Lord, go out and worship him. By all means, go. Pharaoh didn't do that. So we came in your name and he's brought trouble on your people. And you have not rescued your people at all. So Moses being honest, and we've all been there at one time or another. Moses doesn't see it. And so what happens, Lord? What happened? What's happening, Lord? You said, and it's gotten worse. Why have you left us? But I want you to understand that the, the delay of God actually tested the heart of the people. And this is hard for all of us, knowing that God is doing something, even though we don't see it right away. It's during the delay that we grow the most in our faith, this is what God is doing with Israel and Moses. They will need this when they will go actually out into the desert. So God knows our faith needs to be tested if we're going to grow. So what does God do? In God's delay, the delay will reveal what's truly in our hearts. Can you imagine if everything happened right when we asked it? Would we ever learn faith? We would never learn faith. We would never learn trust. And it's interesting, if, if, if you're a parent, you can relate to this. Because when you try to teach your kids something when they're young, and you say, you need to trust me, and they don't get it, you know, why can't I have 15 lollipops before dinner, right? What's wrong with that, Dad? Why can't I do that? Because you'll be sick if you do that, right? Really, you should never do that. Right? You'd be, and they don't understand. They're like, well, I want to do it. If we, if we just let our kids do whatever they wanted to do, right? They wouldn't learn anything. They wouldn't learn discipline. And so what God is doing here, he's saying, listen, you need to listen to me. Even though things aren't going as quickly as you want them to, God began to reveal what was truly in their hearts. And so in the delay, God will show you what's really in your heart. And it will give you that opportunity to trust the Lord by faith, to say, God, it's in your name that I'm going to trust you, that your promises are still true, that you will see us through, but we need to trust you in the meanwhile. We need to trust you as we wait for you. So this is what Moses says in chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what Moses says. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do with Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And, and, and I believe this is a great example we have for God working his plan even when we don't see it. I think the best example that we can have when we are struggling, when we are struggling with our lives and we're struggling with um, what is the future? How can I trust you, Lord? I think the best example is, is I just close this down. I think the best example we have is the cross of Jesus Christ. So, so here's, what, here's what God says to Moses. I will deliver you. You will see my mighty hand. 
It's what God does. He sends the plagues. We're going to be talking about the next, in the next week. Then God will deliver them through the Red Sea. And then God never wanted them to forget what he did for them. So as they traversed through the wilderness, he wanted them to remember how he delivered them. Don't forget that I delivered you. And here's what we need to do in life's disappointments. We need to keep looking back at the cross of Christ and what he did for us. I believe this gives us the most encouragement and helping us overcome the disappointments in our life. But here's the reason why. When, when you think about the cross, to those that were looking on when it was happening, it looked like it was the biggest defeat. Here you have someone that claimed to be the son of, son of God. And here he comes and gives his life over to the hands of man and they crucify him. And you would think that makes no sense. That's why you didn't see anybody around. That's why everybody scattered. That's why his disciples scattered. It made no sense. You're supposed to be the king of kings and lord of lords. You're supposed to be defeating your enemies. You're supposed to be defeating Rome and overcoming your enemies. But now you're hanging on a cross. This doesn't make sense. This is a defeat. And so the cross looks like this complete defeat. It looks like evil has won out. It makes, it makes no sense to the disciples. But God used what seemed like a defeat and weakness to actually display his power and victory. And I believe God used the cross to show us that he can work through what seems to be senseless. The cross is the key to help us work through our disappointments. When you doubt God, when you think he isn't there, when life doesn't make sense, when you've lost your trust, when things are getting worse and not better, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we have an empty cross hanging on our wall. Jesus is no longer there. He defeated it. In fact, the Bible says he disarmed it. The opposite was true. Paul explains it so well to the Corinthians in, in chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For those who don't know, guys, that that's a joke. There's no power there. But Paul says, but for those of us who are being saved, it's what? The power of God because it actually changed my life. That which looked like a complete defeat actually changed my life and gave me the victory through Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ conquered it through the resurrection. The cross was a symbol of a curse. The cross was a symbol of our sins. And Jesus hung on that cross, bore our sins, disarmed the curse, disarmed those things that were over our lives and three days later rose to say, I am God. And so when you are, when you are disappointed, when things don't work out your way, here's how you encourage yourself. Encourage yourself through the cross. It's the empty cross that gives us hope for tomorrow. That's what gives me hope. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And here's what Jesus says. John 14, Jesus says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And for now, so I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because I'm going there. The only way Jesus can go there was by conquering death for us. So where is my hope? He told the disciples, don't be troubled. 
Don't be anxious. That doesn't mean we're not going to have anxious times. But don't allow those, that anxiousness to overcome the hope that you should have through the empty cross. And so what God is telling Moses, Moses, I'm going to deliver for you. Moses may not have understood this, all this stuff, but God says, you can trust me. And so through this, through our disappointments, we have an opportunity to trust God. To have our hope be built in something deeper than my disappointments. Because one day, we're going to be with him. Jesus says, listen, I want to give you peace, but in this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble, tribulation. But take heart, John 16, 33, I've done what? I've overcome the world for you. See, what we tend to do is we tend to immerse ourselves in our trials and our tribulations and we get defeated because of those things. And I'm not saying they're easier, they're not hard. But they, it, it's like drowning in water. They just constantly go over it. And God says, I want you to look up because your hope is not in those situations or in those trials. Your hope is in me now. And I'm going to help you walk through it. It may not be your timetable, but are, are you going to put your life in my hands? Moses, are you going to trust me? Because listen, listen, listen. Moses is going to have to trust God as he faces Pharaoh. He's going to have to trust God through the plagues. He's going to have to trust God when he faces the Red Sea before him and Pharaoh's army behind him. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. He's going to have to trust God when he moves all the Israelites into the wilderness and there's no bathrooms, there's no food, and there's no water. How many of you know it doesn't end? Our walk is a walk of faith. It's a walk of trust. But at the end of the day, we overcome because of Christ. So here's my hope for you. And this is what we're going to sing today. I'm just going to ask you one question as we close. Is it well in your soul today? You may say, Pastor, my life is a train wreck, right? Right now, it's just so many things happening. But all of a sudden you say, but you know what? It's well in my soul. I don't know. It's just the Lord. That's all I can tell you. But it is well. And some of you may be faced with some really, really difficult things in your life. We're going to sing. It is well. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And if you need prayer today, we want to pray for you with whatever you're going through. See, just because we're going through troubles doesn't mean we put blinders on and say, I have no problems, right? And we just deny it. Praise the Lord, brother. Everything's wonderful in my life, right? That's not what God asks us. God asks us to reach out to each other so we can pray for each other. So if you have needs in your heart today and you want someone to pray with you as we sing this song, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray with you and just believe that God's going to help you and give you strength. As the family of God, that's what we're supposed to do and pray with each other. And so I want us to stand today and we're going to pray. If you're able to stand this morning, would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. And as we, as we sing this song, if you need prayer, please come forward. We're going to pray with you and maybe just say, man, pastor, my, it's just a burden on my heart. And I need someone just to agree with me in prayer that the Lord would help me to walk through this and keep my eyes on him. So Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the empty cross. I thank you, Lord, for your people. God, I know that each and every one of us, we have our trials and that we need to bear each other's burdens. 
that we need to pray for each other, that we need to cast all our cares upon you because you do care for us. Just because we're followers of Christ doesn't mean we have burdens. But the good news is we know where to turn those burdens over to. And so I pray for every single person in this room. I don't know what they're going through, but you do, Lord. And I just pray that they would turn those burdens over to you. And so as we sing this to you, Lord, we're just the family of God. And we, just, we need your help today just to trust you through our, through our times and through our disappointments that you're going to be there with us. So thank you for the empty cross. We just love you. We thank you. And we just give you the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Listen, if you need prayer today, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Let's sing this unto the Lord. Let's put our hope in Jesus today. God bless you as you sing this unto him.